don't have enough time to sit down and read all the best Bitcoin articles? Well, let us read them for you. This is a Crypto Economy Quick Read. What is up, crew? Welcome back to the Crypto Economy Podcast. So, for those of you who do not know, I am in North Carolina. And uh, if you haven't heard, we have a hell of a hurricane headed our way. So, I apologize if this week might be a little thin on content. Um, and I may be missing. Uh, it's supposed to hit and kind of start causing some problems. Uh, Thursday morning, somewhere around there, and um, uh, this area in particular has a bit of a habit of losing power, even even during rather minor wind storms, uh, and this one's going to be real nasty. So I am I am kind of in full preparation mode here, and um, a thank you to Car and Bird for giving me a shout out and thinking about me over here because uh, uh, we are pretty much right in the path of the storm and I, unfortunately there's not much I can control I'm trying to or at least my plan was like maybe I can get out a bunch of episodes just so they're ready uh, but I'm I'm rushing just to get the house ready I got like a number of things on the house that I haven't done weather stripping around the doors is crappy um, and just a bunch of little things that I need to get prepped for the storm and I think I'm pretty much going to be busy until late tomorrow night but with that I still want to get some episodes out here and this one I've been sitting on uh, for a while uh, and this one's really good and I hate that I can't do much commentary on it but honestly Turdemeester does a really good job of laying out the argument so it might not be necessary to go into it in great detail Uh, but with that um uh, we will go ahead and read. This is a Twitter thread um, from some time back now, again three months ago, so uh, roughly around the same time as our Giacomo tweet storm that we read recently. And this one is about Bitcoin as a socially scalable conflict prevention mechanism. And uh, I really, really loved the thought process on this one. So without further ado, we're going to go ahead and jump into. The Tweet Storm by Turd Demeester on Bitcoin as a social, socially scalable conflict prevention mechanism. In this thread, I make a philosophical argument for Bitcoin being a socially scalable contribution to conflict prevention in society, contrasting it with the current system of monetary interventionism. All interpersonal conflict has four necessary and jointly sufficient causes. First, plurality, or multiple actors. Free access, what actors want is accessible to them. Scarcity, a desired good is in finite supply. And diversity, actors have different values, opinions, and preferences. If one manages to completely remove just one of the four necessary causes, it effectively resolves and prevents interpersonal conflict. For example, there is one pancake in the room, scarcity and access, and you and I both want it, plurality and diversity. If I convince you that I should have the pancake, removing diversity, 
the conflict disappears. Another solution is to bake more pancakes, removing scarcity. In the political world, conflict prevention is usually more sought after in the areas of plurality and diversity, solutions of unity and consensus, whereas the business world focuses more on removing scarcity and restricting access, solutions of abundance and private property. Rather than creating abundance by ramping up production, one can also create it by diminishing one's perceived needs and wants, or asceticism. This was especially popular in pre-modern times, monasticism, and can still be found in many spiritual or religious teachings. Now let's apply this framework to money. In a pre-money, barter world, people don't have a lot of possibilities to get their needs and wants met. Even division of labor is hard. If I am a cobbler, I can't get eggs until the chicken farmer needs a new pair of shoes. Enter money, a technology that helps to prevent conflict by giving people a highly marketable good that they can use to access a variety of goods and services on a non-coercive basis. In other words, providing abundance by meeting needs and wants. In order for money to reliably serve as that near universal, quote, key to markets, it must acquire several characteristics, durability, portability, divisibility, and widespread desirability. Over time, governments have started using the institution of money, surely for their own self-interest, but also to try and address interpersonal conflict in society. Let's look at how. Government-managed money restricts plurality. There is only one entity, for example, FOMC, which ultimately controls interest rates and money supply. The central bank has the undisputed authority and bears ultimate responsibility. Governments curb free access. A unit of fiat money can only be owned by one person at a time, and counterfeiting generally is penalized. Government money is abundant. When scarcity threatens to cause conflict, new money is made available to particular groups. And finally, governments also pursue monetary consensus. By means of marketing and regulation, citizens are persuaded to only use one money, national currency, and to endorse the local monetary policy. So the ways in which government uses monetary technology to try and prevent societal conflicts is very comprehensive. However, in my opinion, this approach suffers from systemic flaws. First, over time, central banks hardly ever remain free from political influence, lack of unity. Second, certain groups do get free access to newly minted money, for example, those who are labeled too big to fail, or those allowed to engage in fractional reserve banking. Third, the monetary abundance is not divided evenly over the population. Credit expansion and bailouts generally favor debtors to the detriment of savers, causing conflict. And fourth, the resulting inflation undermines the money's long-term desirability. Finally, social consensus appears manageable in times of credit expansion, but obviously breaks down in a phase of deleveraging or stagflation. It is unreliable as a conflict prevention mechanism, and it's impossible to prove it offers a net benefit to society. Now let's switch to Bitcoin. In what ways could Bitcoin contribute to diminishing interpersonal conflict? Remember, there are four necessary and jointly sufficient causes for conflict. Plurality, 
or multiple actors, free access, what actors want is accessible to them, scarcity, desired good is in finite supply, and diversity, actors have different values, opinions, and preferences. Bitcoin 100% allows for plurality and diversity. Anyone can use it and the network is censorship resistant, opening the door for any and all diversity. It is also decidedly a scarce good. However, there is one cause of conflict that Bitcoin does not allow for. Free access. Nobody can mint Bitcoins in excess of the 21 million supply. And with sufficient precautions taken, existing coins can be protected against access from anyone, anywhere. This core ability to resist free access is not dependent on the decision of a political committee, but rather innate, hardwired into the technology. To borrow from Nick Zabo, Bitcoin is a socially scalable, conflict-preventing protocol. But Bitcoin doesn't touch at all the three other categories of conflict causes. Isn't that a setback? On the contrary, Bitcoin is an incredibly powerful startup currency because it fully enables plurality, scarcity, and diversity. This triple combo allows for Bitcoin to be highly divisible, highly portable and scalable, highly durable, predictable supply curve, and therefore it holds the promise of a universally desirable store of value and medium of exchange. And so, paradoxically, by efficiently removing free access to a scarce monetary good, Bitcoin becomes a socially scalable technological enforcer of property rights. Bitcoin diminishes conflicts by means of technology, much like how car locks diminish car thefts. It is a protocol that allows users to peacefully enforce their right to control their own financial future. Of course, Bitcoin in itself isn't going to solve all the interpersonal problems that governments are trying to solve, but it holds the promise of doing one thing extremely well. Be a reliable form of money. Here's the problem I see with monetary interventionism. It is trying to solve many problems using the same tool set, resulting in unintended consequences and an ultimately unreliable monetary infrastructure. I am a strong believer in modular scaling, and I think history backs me up on this, that robust, complex systems, including prosperous, thriving societies, are consistently built out of simple, performant mechanisms that lock into each other in a modular way. And so I see Bitcoin as a small but performant monetary building block that can serve to diminish interpersonal conflict in society. Much technology and many institutions will need to be built around it, no doubt, but it is an exhilarating start. Too long, didn't read. Governments use monetary intervention as a Swiss army knife for society's problems. This undermines the function of money and has unintended consequences. Politically neutral protocols like Bitcoin could be superior because they are reliable, robust, and modular. For the philosophical framework used in these tweets, I am indebted to Professor Frank Van Dunn. For more background, see his Pure Theory of Natural Law and his The Logic of Law. 
Thanks to at Cohen Swinkles and at Real VJ for their valuable feedback on my draft. All errors remain my own. All right. There we have it. That was the tweet storm that I just absolutely loved, and I've actually got the um, pure theory of natural law and uh, uh, the logic of law on my uh, to uh, dive into one day. <laughs> so I have no idea how well that's going to work. They're really lengthy. Um, the uh, pure theory of natural law is 191 pages. The other one is a little bit shorter. It's 63 pages. Um, I've got a, a long list of really long reads to jump into. Um, there's so much good stuff. It sucks because I end up reading so many of these articles a day that I still haven't even finished uh, the Bitcoin standard. Um, I'm getting close though. I'm finally breezing through it again in this storm. If you know I'm out of power for a couple of days, might let me get through it in an afternoon. Um, but we will see there. Uh, this uh, uh, tweet storm, however, <clears throat> excuse me, um, this tweet storm was just, I just, this one was really, really, uh, I'm not, I'm not exactly sure the word it's, it's not pivotal. It's, um, it just, it articulated in a different way, something that I had been thinking for a while. Um, and it was really the block size debate that made it, uh, made me aware of it. Um, but, uh, I wrote this in, I think, I think this one was in, uh, the first time I mentioned it was in, a. Uh, Bitcoin is valued for fast and cheap payments. I think that's the article. It's one of my it was one of my older articles. I think it's like my first or second article, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but it was uh, I had been thinking for when I first got into Bitcoin, it was just a payment network to me. And uh, a couple of times, uh, and this is a story that I referenced in the article itself, actually, was that really that idea of it really failed me. Um, there were n plenty of times where I would just, you know, send somebody a transaction and I'd be talking up this thing and tell them about how it was independent and decentralized and I'd get really excited and, you know, really into it because, oh my God, it just, it, you know, it just gets my blood flowing. I love Bitcoin. It's just awesome. And um, so I would send them, you know, a couple of bucks in Bitcoin. Like I did this with waiters and Uber drivers and all kinds of stuff. And I would always keep like 20 or 30 bucks on hand in a Bitcoin wallet just so I could send it to them. But then there were times when, like, uh, uh, me and a few friends would uh, kind of consult with, like, local businesses. And, uh, like, we had a bar uh, that um, we set up with uh, just accepting Bitcoin. Uh, there was one we set up with BitPay that was a restaurant. And they sold, like, cheese. And it was kind of like a, like a pseudo, like, cafe type thing um, slash bar. But we did this a number of times, and there were times where it really did not work in our favor. The fact that, you know, propagation wasn't wonderful, and I wondered if at the time, if, you know, this was just going to be a matter of time that these kinks are going to get worked out. But the more and more I dug into really how Bitcoin worked, it, some of these problems seemed insurmountable at the base layer. Um, it didn't make any sense to tackle this at the blockchain level because as a payment network bitcoin is really really inefficient um it kind of sucks as a payment network in any realistic retail sense you know it's not it's not instant by any means um confirmations take 
you know, upwards of 10 to 20 minutes sometimes. And it's always, every time I send one that I feel like it needs to be time sensitive, it's the next block is always 25, 30 minutes away for some reason. It doesn't, it doesn't matter if it's, if I need it in five minutes, it's 30 minutes away. End of story. But there were times when, um, the, the, the cafe place, uh, comes to mind in particular that, we would do a transaction like we had set them up and it was with BitPay um, and apparently their node or explorer or whatever it is did not get our transaction to them in their mempool and uh, the fee was we did the recommended fee or the default actually with the software there wasn't really much fee customization at the time that was a real problem back then um, uh, just because the the fee market hadn't really seen its um its congestion to the point that the, the problem needed to be sorted out so it kind of continued to exist with some of the crappier wallets and so we were their first you know quote unquote customers um just trying it out and i sent them a transaction and uh it didn't show up and i showed them on my wallet i was like no no, no the transaction's gone through you know uh and then looked up the transaction on a block explorer which i think was blockchain.info or something at the time and then kind of just explained you know what was going on but it was clear that the guy was getting a little bit nervous is that we just spent you know an hour an hour and a half off off the clock like this was on like a a a time that they're normally closed and you know we've been talking up this thing for ever it seemed like and he went through all this trouble to set it up and here I am just trying to send him seven bucks and I had to delay for five minutes to just bullcrap about you know how Bitcoin works and it's like oh you could just look it up into the block explorer and he's and I'm sure he's thinking the hell is a block explorer I'm not gonna look anything up like this is ridiculous like he just wants the transaction to go through and that was kind of I remember that being a pivotal moment I was like like I know this thing is incredibly valuable, but it doesn't quite work. It's not a PayPal. You know, I, I, I was aware that there was some sort of a disconnect there. It's just incredibly costly and inefficient for a straight up, I'm going to buy stuff with it payment network. Um, and there are some limitations that you just can't really get around because you need, I mean, that can be improved. That process can be improved and make sure the mempool is uh, the same with, you know, all the nodes, but there's no way to guarantee that. Um, it's part of the nature of the protocol. It requires the proof of work for a transaction to be trusted in any sense. So, or any realistic sense, um, it can always be double spent and there's no way to just like, oh, well, we'll just put in a default of accepting the first transaction. It's like, well, anybody can change that. It is not without the barrier of the proof of work. Uh, there's no real way to know it's going to be part of the blockchain. Um, so anyway, this is kind of a long story, but um, the point was is that I was realizing that there was something wrong with the way I was viewing Bitcoin. And then the block size debate really kind of rammed it home and made me, forced me to sit down and just read everything because it kind of got me scared for a bit. I was like, am I just completely like wrapped so wrapped up into this that I can't quite you know when I couldn't articulate my own reasoning for understanding why it was incredibly valuable you get a little nervous sometimes and that's when I started to realize that the real 
the true value of Bitcoin was in an arbitration network is it provides literally unparalleled financial arbitration, a means of coming to agreement about the ownership of a financial asset that cannot be compared to any other system to date. Everything has some massive trusted vulnerability in it that Bitcoin has managed to route around. Um, and that's entirely in line with the idea of conflict prevention, is that we have this independent mechanism to decide who owns what and how, and it is entirely based upon math. And uh, like, what better to regulate uh, a financial and private property, you know, monetary instrument than a mathematical protocol that's defended with provable math? I mean, you just couldn't get more clean about uh, getting straight to the point there. And then using the combination of um, uh, multiple parties into a signed mathematical agreement, we can work out the differences. We can work out the semantics of a contract or an agreement and know that when those uh, higher layer or higher order problems um, get sorted, that the underlying protocol, the foundation of the financial agreement executes independently and we don't have to worry about it. And we can all easily settle on the, knowing exactly what the outcome is going to be. And again, as I've said thousands of times, it doesn't matter what your religion is. It doesn't matter what country you're from or what language you speak. speak. Bitcoin is the, is the totem of independence and unbiased uh, uh, ownership rights in the middle of it that anybody can use. As, as uh, a Turdemeister puts it in this uh, thread, is that it's the ultimate in social scalability um, is that it can expand. It's it's truly global and entirely open to the complete realm of diversity of opinion, preference, and the plurality of people, and so on and so forth. And it does so. It achieves this by strict uh, access um, or... or um, uncontestable, incontestable um, restrictions on the free access. By eliminating that element altogether, the other three can be free to have whatever degree of variance and openness is possible within them. Um, and this was just a really good way to put it. I had not really heard the argument until I read this of the four elements of an interpersonal con interpersonal conflict. And I just thought this was a really great way of defining that. And I had been trying to source a lot of my thoughts on Bitcoin as an arbitration network because I was realizing that that is really where its incredible revolutionary value really lies. And just like a court system, it doesn't need to handle every transaction in the world. You know, you don't want every transaction in the court. But if you can hold a smart contract, an agreement that says, if we went to court, this is what the judge would say, you can basically guarantee the payment, um, which is essentially the, the underlying concept behind something like the Lightning Network or a Layer 2 solution, is how do we write a contract that can be updated so that no matter what's going on on this higher layer, 
if we ever decide to execute it and take it to the judge, in this case Bitcoin, um, or the court, uh, which would be Bitcoin, everybody in the agreement knows exactly how it's going to play out. They know exactly what the judge is going to say within a strict set of, like whether it's a, a time period um, with a you know, hash time lock contract or with a certain set of signatures, so on and so forth. We all can agree on what's going to happen, what's going to be the outcome of that contract based on the stipulations within it, and there's nobody that can modify that. There's no, there's no single person or group that has greater influence over what happens with that contract. All right. All right. We will close this one here, I think. Um, that was just a really, really cool concept, and I wanted to get to this one at some point, um, and uh, uh, I've already gone a little bit too long. Um, I need to get back to hurricane prep here and kind of batten down the hatches. Um, but uh, uh, if you are not following Turdemeester, a uh, huge thank you to Turdemeester for vocalizing those those concepts because even, even having gotten to the point where I was thinking of Bitcoin as an arbitration network, this was still... This was still very, um, this was just a really solid tweet storm, and I really, really loved it um, when, I, when it first came out. I, I immediately was like, ooh, I'm saving this sucker for later. Um, so uh, if you are not following Turtemeester on Twitter, you definitely should be, and I don't know what you're doing with your life, so follow him on Turtemeester, follow him on Twitter at Tur, that's T-U-U-R, Demeester, D-E-M-E-E-S-T-E-R. Um, obviously, I will tag him, and I'll tag... Uh, Real VJ, uh, VJ Boypati and uh, Cohen Swinkles uh, as well, which he has a blog that I had not checked out um, before uh, and uh, it looks like he's got some interesting little reads up here. I'm going to dig through this and skim through and maybe like really break into some of these articles and see because he's got one on the uh, Yap Stone money saying Bitcoin is not like it, so I would like to hear his take on that. So I might uh, dig into that, and maybe we'll do something by Cohen Swinkles if I can get the go-ahead from him. Uh, but uh, anyway, yes, I will tag all of those people, link to them in the post, and I will link to the uh, uh, original tweet so you can check that out on Twitter too. All right, guys, do not forget to follow me at the Crypto Economy on uh, Twitter and at the Crypto Economy at BitcoinHackers.org on Mastodon. You can actually get that link right off my Twitter profile. Um, Mastodon, if you don't know, is the decentralized federated Twitter. Um, but it's, it's really cool. Um, and there's a little group of Bitcoin OGs that uh, are hanging out up there. And it's, it's a good place to go to uh, kind of chat with some of those people. So uh, definitely check out Mastodon and follow me on Medium at The Crypto Economy as well. Uh, I am so sorry if I miss a couple of days this week. Cut me some slack. It will only be because power is out and I have no other option. And if I'm lucky, I might be able to actually get one out. It would probably just be recorded on my phone. But I'm not going to promise anything because the level of noise and uh, storm background noise uh, probably is going to prevent that from happening. So I will do my best. Stick with me. Subscribe to the show. And if you don't hear from, from me after... Thursday or Friday. I apologize, and I'll try to have something back next week. All right. Uh, with that, um, I think we'll close that one here. I think I've hit everything. If you'd like to support the show, 
Um, I will always have my Bitcoin donation address. And thank you, thank you to everybody who has done that. I haven't actually checked it in a while, so I don't know if anybody sent me uh, a donation. But if you have, that is awesome. Thank you, thank you so much. Um, and I'll try to give you a specific shout out um, on when I have actually time to go through all of this uh, responsibly. Uh, and of course, you can always uh, get your Trezor hardware wallet um, through my affiliate link. That'll send a couple of bucks my way and it won't cost you a dime. And I think that's, I think that'll be it. I think that'll close us. All right, guys. Um, pray for me. Hopefully, uh, I have still, you know, one house rather than multiple pieces of a house at the end of this crazy, crazy storm. And uh, hopefully that house is also not underwater. Both of those things would be great things at the end of the week. And uh, <laughs> uh, wish me luck. All right, guys, I will be here for tomorrow with another episode of the Crypto Economy Podcast. Take it easy, everybody.